Hey listeners, Debatable is now available for streaming and download on actionagogo.com. Derek Scarzella and Troy Jeffrey Allen, once and future Debatable podcast guests, along with a slew of great writers, have made actionagogo.com one of the best online destinations for pop culture journalism and news coverage. Films, comics, games, if you need your geek fix, AAGG is the place to go. Nowhere else can you find their unique flavor of writing and commentary about the entertainment world you care about. Debatable's media-centric episodes will have a second home there now, and I hope you will go over there and check out the site, uh, stream and download the episodes, and certainly read all the great articles that they have up. That's actionagogo.com, A-C-T-I-O-N-A. A-G-O-G-O dot com. Actionagogo dot com. The Debatable Podcast is available on Tumblr. That's debatablepodcast.tumblr.com and also on iTunes. Uh, I am Mr. Greggles, M-I-S-T-E-R-G-R-E-G-G-L-E-S, and our show is Debatable Pod, both of those on Twitter. You do know how to spell debatable, don't you? I hope at this point you do. You burned your hand on what? Uh, on tea.
Monique, Monique didn't see me, unfortunately, and I, I uh, dropped the tea on myself. It wasn't her fault. I just I didn't tell her I, I was coming by her, and uh, she turned around and hit it, and it went on my hand. It is weird how, like, you sort of expect the uh, other people in, that live in the household <laughs> with you to, like, know your ghostly movements. Sure, sure. Be aware <laughs> of me at all times, much like, you know, a ninja or the Pink right. Panther. You know, you have to. <laughs> you have to. So now I'm kind of, like, putting a little bit of ice on this. I hope it's not going to, like, blister up or anything. I had a friend um, back in junior high school who was making uh, pasta and uh, he turned around to get a bowl um, uh, for the for the pasta to strain it through, and turns around and picks up the the pot and turn turns it over to pour it into the bowl. But the bowl took like the brunt of the water and fell off of the countertop and right onto his foot. And it was the hottest thing that he actually had. He had to get like skin graft. That's how hot it was. It like it not only blistered, but it, it, I think it killed the top layer of skin. Oh my god! That's how hot it was. Yeah, it, burning is one of those things that like I mean, just like drowning and just like so many other things. Whenever you like think about the process of like being in that moment of like yeah. I don't know, burning to death or something, yeah, you're yeah. like you're like I'd rather die any other way. But Absolutely. then you th- think about getting stabbed or drowning, and it just seems right. just as bad. Right. It's like really nothing is is good as good as dying in your sleep. I don't know what else could could own up to that. Nothing, nothing. You're absolutely right. Like it has to be something where you don't have the fear coming at you. You don't have the dread. Yeah, I guess I would like uh, I'd be fine with really intense pain if it were like sort of momentary and like a thing like where I was in some epic ending of a movie where like I was ending World War Three, like like <laughs> I, I, I was killing the Hitler figure and he, he was killing me at the same time, but it would be okay because I I would I would just have assurance that when he was dead it would all be over and I'd be looked at as like a hero or something. Wow. That's the way that you would want to go. Yeah. Probably. But you would be perfectly fine with him or her killing you. Yeah, if if I knew that like somebody was going to win an Oscar for depicting me, <laughs> that's valid. That's valid. Some people would say, "Hey, he had the courage uh, to to be a uh, you know to be a, a hero of his country or to be a hero of a war, a battle, or whatever." Uh, if you're just doing it for, you know, Oscar accolades later on or, or a- Emmys, you know, not bad. It's not a bad thing. Well, look, I mean, a lot of great dudes fought in a lot of wars, but I don't know any of their names unless somebody made a movie about them. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Where would we be if uh, if they didn't make uh, Platoon? Do they have any real people in Platoon? They had real people in Saving Private Ryan, one of those. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely Robert Ryan. So, you know what? I feel totally comfortable with this because not only let's give some some background. Not only have we done a very awesome talk already on your podcast, but I feel very at home with how to approach this because we have nothing. We're going to completely just be conversational on this. As it should be. As I mean, it, it, be. it worked last time. Yeah, and we're coming at it also from a... See, why I feel so comfortable is that uh, we both kind of have the same mission statement of our podcast. Like, sometimes it does have a, uh, a formula. Sometimes it does have something that we're going to cover. But we're both really interested in talking to people 
And that yeah. kind of always wins out over whatever the other topic is. Right. What, whatever <coughs> actually like happens when you've made plans to record with somebody, whatever happens when you get down and turn, turn when you sit down and turn those mics on, like that's that's what you should be talking about. Right. <laughs> whatever much. pops into your head, right? Yeah. I uh, I watched uh, because because uh, Joe Lewis was on the podcast recently. I watched uh, Nowheresville, and I saw a wonderful young actor with curly hair named Ken Edwards. On actually, you're are you Kenneth Edwards in that? Um, I don't know how he credits me. Yeah. I, I want to be Ken to everybody. I don't know why that is important to me. My grandfather was named Kenneth Edwards, and like he was like. Uh, uh, a really important business figure in this small town of ours, like fifty years gotcha. ago. So everybody in town like knows that name, Kenneth Edwards. Uh-huh. So like, I don't know. Uh, I, I wanted to separate it for some you, reason. You don't want to. Uh, you don't want to get anywhere by nepotism. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't want my name to be associated with capitalism. Yeah. Even better. <laughs> even better. Uh, how do you? How did you like that experience of of uh, being? Have you done much acting other than than that? Other than Nowheresville, I did a lot of stage acting and um, all through middle school and the first year of high school, and then I went through the teenage, you know, uh, angst of like I don't want to be a part of anything. I just want to do my own thing. So I hadn't acted in a long, long time. But uh, it's something that. I don't know. I never really thought about, but the fact when Joe told me he wrote a character based around my personality that he thought like I would be good at playing, like mm-hmm. I, I don't know, that was just very flattering. And I'm I'm I've never made acting my goal, but when I read it on the page, it just seemed like something I I could do. And it was a it was a script that I like was excited about once I read it. So I was totally all about being a part of it. Right. I, I think there was a good perspective there with uh, with. Um with Joe when we were talking about how he knows AJ because it's weird coming to the thing of the, the, the community of, of knowing you and AJ and Paul and, and, uh, and uh, of course Joe and, and uh, Eric, they're just this group, this group that becomes kind of bigger and bigger with, with each, you know, podcast or with each person that, that kind of joins it. How did you know Joe? Was it simply online or had you known him how did you know him? Like, where did it start? Um, Joe and I have a mutual friend named Daryl, Daryl James. He's uh, on, on Twitter. You've probably seen us talking about him or to him. He's at Paging Dr. Love. Uh-huh. He's, he's just a really big cinephile, knows a lot about music and stuff. And, and Daryl has, uh, for years, had a lot of friends on the Internet. And I don't exactly remember the moment of, like, when he started integrating or talking about his friends that he had online but some for some reason oh i think it was because i'm all about kevin smith and daryl knew, knew joe's joe was all about kevin smith especially at the time that we started talking that uh i don't know i think that's how we like just hooked up like like our, our little twitter community community just sort of like followed each other and knew who we are so like Joe made plans to come up and visit him, and just like when he got into town, we were all having a party together, and Joe and I just clicked and nice. and, and really good friends ever since that's awesome man like i i I do like the fact that so much of it see like my frame of reference really is growing up in high school and in college that too was the time period to really be into kevin smith like when i was growing up and getting into independent film um that was like probably uh around the time chasing amy came out so chasing amy and i of course i went back and watched clerks obviously it's his big breakout hit um and i think i probably most 
uh, identified with Mallrats because being a suburban kid that in high school hung out at malls because that's what the suburbs are about. I guess Mallrats is really what we were, you know, in, in high school. Totally, totally. I mean, I, I uh, at the time, you know, I didn't get into them until sort of um, maybe I was like 17-ish, which is around the time that I turned into less of a uh, Brody and TS and more of a Jay and or Silent Bob. <laughs> sure. So, so th- that's what spoke to me at first. It was just honestly just like the the I love Bill and Ted and Beavis and Butthead. And yeah, those yeah. guys were like, you know, Cheech and Chong part two. So, right. uh that would be a crazy comic, wouldn't it? Like <laughs> it those, would be. <laughs> those four groups of dudes just like hanging the overlap. out together. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Bill and Ted would have to like go back in time and, or, or go to hell or something. You, you, you'd <laughs> use that aspect of the story combined with how high Jay and Silent Bob or Cheech and Chong would – or Jay and Bob and Cheech and Chong are on opposite ends of town. They get in a drug feud because they want to <laughs> they they be the holders right. of best weed. <laughs> so, you know, but Jay and Silent Bob, they have like, they're actually Blunt Man and Chronic. So they have this like superhero, like, like laboratory or whatever. And so things get out of control because Jay is pretty dumb and Bob never says anything. So Cheech and Chong are on the other side of town, just like getting everybody chilled and toked up. And then Jay and Silent Bob get out of control and start taking over. And then Bill and Ted appear out of nowhere and they just have to take care of everything. And then we're like, oh my God, this is getting way too epic and way too serious. And this is all supposed to be just fun characters. And then Beavis and Butthead show up and do a couple of dumb jokes and then we all just laugh and have a good time and change the channel from MTV to see what else is on. <laughs> um, where were we? Dude, you can put away your file folder of what you just wrote and uh, <laughs> did you pull that out and read it verbatim or did... <laughs> no, that, I, I, that was out of nowhere. That's, that's impressive. That's impressive because you know the characters well enough. You know? No, I, I, I like that. I like that. Uh, first of all, I, I give you applause even though I've got uh, uh, an ice pack on my fingers. I'll... I'll here, I'll... Let me I want to hear clap audibly for you. That's yeah, not my yeah. penis. I'm not. Be- I'm not beating my dick. <laughs> I want to hear ice clicks. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's an ice pack, so oh, okay, it's okay. hard to do that. With the- anyway, so um, no, that's uh, <laughs> that's quite good. No, I-, I feel like that's probably a rife fan fiction because I think everybody has already thought. Well, maybe Bill and Ted Three isn't going to happen. <laughs> they keep talking about how the script is done, and Alex Winter and and uh, and of course uh, Keanu are like, yeah, it's definitely gonna happen, definitely gonna happen, and that was like, what, seven years ago? Right. Yeah, I remember Alex Winter bringing it up in the Nerdist, and it's just yeah, it's it just sounds like one of those Hollywood political things that like if it happens, it happens, but right. there's there's no point in holding our breath. Are you? Um, l- let me ask you something. Your point of view on on films? Do you feel like you are since you're coming from the the Kevin Smith part of it? I don't imagine that you're too stuffy when it comes to the movies you like. Are you are you an art house farm type person, or do you like? Do you, like what is what is that type? Is it have you? Do you feel like you've grown with Kevin Smith's movies, and he still remains a, uh, your favorite filmmaker, or have you grown out of him? How, how does it feel for you? Well, it's it's an interesting question uh, because, like, at least in relation to Kevin, like you know, I was talking about my friend Daryl, who he's the guy who went to. Um, we we were actually in uh, in your neck of the woods last night. We were seeing Queens of the Stone Age, Hell so. Yeah. 
on the ride home, we had, you know, three hours to fill, what to talk about. And he asked me, like, so should I be excited about Tusk or is this, like, a, another red state situation? And, and I'm removed enough from red state now that, like, I watched Red State with Daryl for the first time. I had already seen it and loved it, and I thought he would think it was cool too. But he didn't really dig it, and now I'm removed from it that I can see why. Like it's 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 this this weird amalgam of like, I mean, I mean you can tell the dude who wrote it was having an identity crisis at the time because uh-huh. the movie itself is an identity crisis. Sure. It doesn't know whether it wants to be a Coen Brothers movie, a, a Tarantino movie, or, or Texas a, Chainsaw, a, Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some so, some weird amalgam of all of that, which which to me, even even from a, a objective sense of view or point of view, I'm like that kind of just makes it really interesting. And maybe if it's not good, movies like that are always interesting to watch regardless. But mm-hmm. so I, I was so invested in the Red State story and just following Kevin for all these years that like I, I can't be objective about him. Right. Like, like so, all, yeah. so when I say he's one of my favorite filmmakers, there's so much emotional... I mean, baggage sounds negative, but you know, I'm just carrying so much. Uh-huh. By the t- by, the time Tusk comes out, I'll literally have been a part of its inception. Like yeah. he asked, he asked people to tweet back hashtag Walrus Yes if he should make that movie. And the day he released that podcast, I I tweeted that back to him. So in in some sense, as soon as I see that movie, I'm like, well, I'm part of it. So I don't know if I can be subjective about that. As far as what kind of movie I like, I like. I, I, it's it's getting harder and harder and harder for me to define because you know I, I appeared on the podcast Gobbly Geek earlier this year and I was scolding and berating anybody who brought logic into Spider Man Two. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I was like, just just have fun with the movie, which is a ideal I've tried to implement as much as I could. Like try to not be like, well, I would like this movie if it had done this. Right. Uh, uh, for for a long time, so. Um, I, I, that always bothered me. It's like, oh, I would have liked it if this character did this. Well, well, judge what did happen. Tell me what you thought about that. Like, I thought the movie would have been better if a dragon would have shown up halfway through to cure my boredom. Sure, but that didn't happen. So I'll judge what actually did happen, regardless of how boring it was, and that might say something. But don't you think uh, that that's kind of like you know, uh, people go in there. We've talked about this a bunch of times. People go into movies, especially the type of movies going on right now, summer blockbusters, uh, with a certain level of hype and expectation. Do you feel like too many people go in there with the pl- the blueprint or the checklist in their mind of what this needs to be and they don't kind of divorce themselves themselves from it in order to just be entertained by it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's two different checklists that people uh, will have walking into a movie. There's the checklist of expectations of what the movie that you've already written it to be is going to be. And if it, and, and your opinion of it could be good or bad depending on how much it, it, it diverts from those expectations. You right. might be pleasantly surprised or you might be annoyed because it didn't go how you want. But the other checklist is the, the checklist that really annoys me. The one where like, I know so many smart cinephiles who love to write about movies yeah. and everything, but like they, I feel like there's a, a checklist of a hundred boxes that if a movie doesn't do this thing, it, 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 those are points off and it can't get an A plus grade. And, and See, yeah, that, that's the thing that I've constantly been at odds with, and you, you hit it right on the head because my problem is, and it goes back, I really think that it goes back to Kevin Smith, is that you have a group of people, especially 
uh, what people that want to call themselves film critics now um, that really haven't established themselves really they've been writing online for a couple of years they've been blogging all of a sudden you know they're film critics um, but uh, the people that that create the taste that create the 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 um, uh, what is fashionable or what is accepted as being uh, a good movie versus a shit movie and those people I've always I, I dabble with them and I appreciate them when it comes to analyzing great art or high art. Let's just say high art. But those people have trouble what in what they consider slumming. They have mm. they have trouble when it comes to the horror genre, or they have trouble when it comes to uh, the room, or a really you know so bad it's good type. Um, audience favorite and or even, or even tropes that some yeah. audience members might be walking in a theater excited to see yeah exactly and it goes back to really it goes back for me whenever someone says they're a fan of Kevin Smith I can already see and maybe it's my even my own prejudice I try to fight this because I come from being a huge Kevin Smith fan but I can already see the the judgments I can already see the people that differentiate themselves between oh you know scoffing at Kevin Smith I would never be a Kevin Smith fan these are the fucking people that grew up on Clerks who grew up on Chasing Amy and said nothing but great things about the man and now these people are only uh, ascribing to, um, let's say, uh, Ryan Johnson at most for for blockbuster movies. Uh, most of the time, they're they're waxing intellectual about Eight and a Half or some foreign movie or some art house film from you know the nineteen sixties. You know what I mean? It's, Absolutely. There's such a chasm between where we came from, what what first got us excited about cinema, and they. They say I grow. I grew out of it. I grew out of Kevin Smith. That's fine to grow out of him. But why? Why vilify the man too? Because I feel like he has grown too. He might not do the movies that you like, but he he too has has grown as a filmmaker. He's not making honestly. He's not making Jay and Silent Bob uh, Strike Back. He's not making. Uh, even clerks or clerks too. He's he's and and that's not to say bad things about those movies. Again, these are entertaining uh you know to a certain level uh uh small um relationship comedies well written well great dialogue um uh, Cheech and Chong uh, fantasies but also you know why vilify the man for trying something new they're like stay in your hole stay in your genre don't go out of it yeah it's an interesting dichotomy because I remember like 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 it's 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 like everybody expects an artist to be at their absolute full potential for the entirety of their life when right. they're when we're slowly on figuring out who we are at all times. But you know those people who aren't super into Kevin Smith, um, when they just saw him, when they put him in that box, yeah. there's there's um, when the movie Zach and Mary Make a Porno came yeah. out. I have a lot of friends who actually uh, really enjoyed that movie, and I was when it came out and was in theaters. I had a good reaction to it, but now. Uh, years later and in retrospect, I can look at that as somebody who's into Kevin Smith and go just like, that's him going through the motions. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. like he checked off all of those boxes that make that a good movie and yeah. it worked for those other people because it had the boxes checked off in the box that they had put him in. Yeah. So he steps outside of that and then people um, 
and, and I always feel like whenever I talk about anything like this, I always I always lean too harshly on one example. So I always wish I could find some something else. But like like besides Kevin Smith or or, or Green Day or whatever I seem to fall fall upon sure. or whatever yeah. media I'm talking about. But like uh, right now, I'm just using Kevin Smith to talk about like you know like uh, he isn't he isn't a I don't know what the difference really is between. Martin Scorsese and Kevin Smith. Like Scorsese's doing just as different movies every single time, yeah. but you can still tell it's Scorsese. Yeah. I think that the problem is, is that when it comes when it comes down to it, like there's probably at the at the bottommost reasoning, the the basement level reasoning is the difference between what is high art and low art, what is important drama and comedy. And then spread it out from there, branch it out from there. You're talking about um, Kevin Smith often gets criticized for doing too much infantile shit, especially earlier in his career. But then you get to something that's ch- like Chasing Amy, which is an incredibly deep, you know, I- analyzing movie and has a lot of truth to say about how people re- react in relationships. And uh, even that, people kind of uh, attribute to to a chasm. When I see the difference, it's uh, what's uh, it's with Jersey Girl. He gets wrapped up into the the backlash of of uh, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez, and then after that, uh, as his career tra- trajectory goes to Zach and Mary, and uh, what did he do after that? What did he do after Zach and Mary? Was it straight to Red State? Uh, I mean, he directed Cop Out. Oh, Cop Out, right. So he's had this kind of uh, list of pretty prevalent failures. And I think that that backlash that kind of started, even though I like Jersey Girl, I think it's actually, it's him moving out of his comfort zone, but he does a pretty good job of, my, my problem with Kevin Smith um, even when I was the biggest fan of him, was his kind of um, his tonal shifts, like his balance of comedy and drama. And I like Chasing Amy. I like uh, uh, Dogma, but they they uh, certainly suffer from those those tonal shifts. Whereas when he gets into Jersey Girl, I didn't see Kappa, but when he gets into Jersey Girl and even Red State, I think that he's handling the the evenness better than he ever has before. I, I actually came out of Red State very impressed with him uh, not only... Uh, right, he tries to put everything in the kitchen sink in there and try to, to to mix so many genres, but I was actually impressed because I've seen him do some pretty wonky tonal shifts, and I thought it was handled a little better in that. Yeah, and, and the fa- there's never been a moment in any previous Kevin Smith movie where the stakes could change by changing one line. And right. the last half hour of Red State is um, the movie zigging and zagging, just, right. and, and characters are delivering one line after another. I mean, everything changes pretty quick. So uh-huh. like, regard- regardless of how it's all playing out to you, he's figuring out tricks. He's, right. he's gro- growing out an, as an artist. And, and the, weird, <laughs> the weird subjective thing, the thing that, that definingly makes my, my belief that that no movies can be the same to any person and that all of our arguments and all of our, no matter how wrong I could think you are about something, uh, uh, I can't prove that and you have total right to say, say that. The reason I can get behind that is because if I had no idea who Kevin Smith was, if I had just somehow never been introduced to him and you wanted me to like 
somebody just or, or Jersey Girl was coming on TV. Okay, Jersey Girl's coming on TV. It, it's a it's a non commercial. It's just Jersey Girl as it is the official release. Right. I'll watch it. The dude's not even in the movie. He's it's just his movie, and I'd go, okay, that was cute, uh, albeit forgettable. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Now, then you put in all the factors of who I am and how much I've followed this guy and I'm able to watch this movie exactly. and, 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 and go exactly. I, even though, even though now, so, so uh, it's what that movie was 10 years ago. Uh-huh. Now, yeah. now I can just look at it and go like, Oh, he had a little girl. Yeah. Yeah. That's a movie about a dude. That's a movie. Like I can let that movie exist in a place in my heart mm-hmm. and brain because I can connect it to the fact like, so he just had to artistically emote that right. he is a father. Right. And you're absolutely right because that's a big draw of him and that's probably the the biggest draw for me too because when we were coming up, um, when the internet was just starting, at least his – like now he does the podcast. He does Twitter. He He's very much in that, that blogosphere and on the internet and very visible. But then, um, you know, running that Viewerskew website and doing his blog and following that, I mean I would follow the creation of a movie. I remember, you know, following uh, a Dogma when it was being written and when it was uh, – when he put out the, uh, the um, like first – draft for all his fans to read on the website and all of the 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 pre-production and just being part of that he he breeds this community so you have an audience that through his movies through his uh like university lectures those talks that he does um through the specials he does uh the whole the whole uh culture of kevin smith you have these communities that have grown up autobiographically and subjectively to know where he's coming from with his movies, to experience them and know where in the timeline, where his mind was at. I mean, that is something that not a lot of filmmakers have. And that is something that I think constantly gets undercut about him. Like, to to relate him to someone, um, it, I think that it's similar to Tyler Perry almost. Absolutely. Absolutely, I totally agree that I agree with that. It's it's this it's a um, okay. I can connect this to something else I wanted to talk about on on, on sort of a, a a larger scale. What Kevin Smith is doing in a very small scale is okay. What's happening with Star Wars Episode Seven right now? We know it's it's being filmed, right? right. But but what do we know? Well, all we know is what idea we have of it. Okay, yeah. the idea that's existing of it. What and, it could be, yeah, yeah. So when Kevin is is releasing all of these podcasts, talking about his movies or showing behind the scenes clips or whatever before it comes out, he's just cr- giving you an idea of what the movie is to be. He's just marketing it and branding it and letting you in on like just letting it take up a a bit of real estate in your consciousness. Yeah. So that that's that, that's why those movies end up having such an effect when you finally see them is because it's a payoff of like being invested. Yes. And and oddly enough, one thing I'm like. Uh, I mean, he posts. He there's a speech he did about uh, visiting the set of the Star Wars movies recently, and right. and the last two minutes of which like made me weep, which made me believe that if that video of him talking about these new Star Wars movies made me weep, I'm going to be able to. I'm going to be a complete wreck that you yep. have to like pull me out of the theater when that those I see that movie. But if I'm wrong about that, what I do know for sure, not for sure, but what I believe right now, honestly, is my idea of what I want this episode 7 to be, mm-hmm. it, it, based on how much I loved Star Wars when I was in a, a youth, like 12, 
that's what I want to recapture, right? Yeah. So nothing, like it's it's over a year away. It's a year and a half away. <coughs> right. Nothing is going to be, feel as good or be as exciting, no matter how good that movie is and how many times I rewatch it for the rest of my life. Nothing is going to live up to that moment that I am saying, I'd like one for Star Wars Episode 7 and <laughs> right. night showing, please. And yeah. walking in and sitting in that theater and the lights dimming out. Right. Like, that is what we're building up to. Like, it, it's sort of what, what art is now is you have to create the audience, you have to sort of get them addicted like a drug. So they want that big payoff, that big hit. Yeah. Like co co Coke addicts always talk about how the exciting part isn't getting the cocaine. It's when you get in touch with somebody yeah, uh, who yeah. has it and you're in the car on the way over there. It's like, the oh man, we're finally going to score. It's like, the chase. It's always the chase, isn't it? Once absolutely. you Once you have something, you're like, Oh, I have something. But, you know, it's like the when you get excited and you're finally going to like buy a new computer and you're going there and you're just you're deciding the specs and what you're going to put in the computer and everything and you're so excited and you you press order and then when you finally get it, it's just not as exciting as the build up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's the last week and a half of my life, which <laughs> is uh mandatory fun. I yeah. mean, I can't I can't, I cannot uh, describe how, I mean, for those of you who don't know, Mandatory Fun is the new Weird Al Yankovic CD, and he is uh, just somebody that, who I've loved my entire life, but I, I am such a nerd about this guy that I was on like the Weird Al forums, refreshing at three in the morning, a week before Aww. the album was supposed to be released, because I could, I have, there hasn't been an album that hasn't leaked two weeks ahead of time in the last five years that I've been looking forward to. Right, yeah, so yeah. like, I was literally not be able to sleep because I was looking forward to this this album leaking, right. and and you know I would lose, I lost sleep for four days. It, it, <laughs> very impressively, it didn't leak until four days before <laughs> the official release. So. Right. No, uh, I think that that's that's another thing people don't know about that you're officially Al Yankovic's uh, autobiographer now. You're going to be following if I was, him. If, if I was an autobiographer, <laughs> I, I'd be doing a podcast alongside him with him. That's true. <laughs> you're going to be doing. He's going to be your co-host. Uh, you did you you did a, a very good um, uh, interview with him on your own show just this past week, and uh, I'm really impressed by it, man. I'm impressed because you you brought the uh, you brought your your fandom, your interest in him as a as a as a person, their obvious you know uh, respect and reverence for him. But you you did what you promised in in your in your uh, intro that you were gonna go uh, deeper with the questions that you weren't gonna do surface shit like most people do in in kind of fluff piece interviews. So I I really liked it, man. You did a good job. Thanks, man. That that means a whole lot. And like again, that they the same thing with that Star Wars feeling, and that like I I was anticipating that for a few days, yeah. and and five minutes before the phone call, I'm like sitting there all like you know my adrenaline's running. Yeah. And and uh, <laughs> I'm gonna call her out here, but I just thought this was so funny that this happened at that moment. Uh, my wife was supposed to be getting her home from work around that time, and she knew I had this interview coming up. She knew she was gonna like walk walk inside and just like be like, hi, go upstairs and just yeah. like, let, let me do my thing. Uh, she walked in, she had this like scared look on her face, like her <laughs> eyes were all wide and she looks at me and she was like, oh my God, baby, I'm so sorry. I'm like, what, what, what? And she was like, I just accidentally slammed into your car. Like, <laughs> like when she was... 
Oh, when she was parking, she 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 um just like she's a great driver. Uh, she's never gotten in an accident before, but just like she was doing the turn to pull into in beside me, and just for some reason she, she hit the gas instead of the brake. She was not fucking with you. She actually did this. Yes. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> so so and I just got this brand new car. A lot not brand new, but new to me yeah. car last last month. So yeah, this I'm, the interview is at five twenty. Uh, that I'm expect I expect the phone call at five twenty. She walks in the door at five sixteen oh with this look God. on her face. And I, like she says it, and I'm just like, I, I say, um, it's okay. I forgive you. That's the last <laughs> thing I need to think about right now. <laughs> you had to com- compartmentalize. You have to figure out what's important right now and what's yeah. priority right now. Yeah, but like I couldn't be mad at her because if if she was like if she not that I would be mad at her anyway. That's right. kind of like I I have this thing about like I, I don't understand why people need their cars to look great anyway. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> uh, 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 but but. If I were to be a person who would get upset at that, which would be admittedly any other person in the world, and she would go upstairs, I would be thinking about how she yeah. would feel guilty yes, uh-huh. while I was interviewing Weird Al. Exactly. So even though I was forgiving her, it was out of a selfish place. Exactly. <laughs> no, that, that is absolutely on the money because I have gotten into fights uh, with Monique or I've gotten into fights with good friends of mine and then have to go do something like either, either a job interview or a podcast or whatever. And your mind is just not ready for it. Yeah. It's horrible. Totally. So, so I just let it go. And so more power to you. Yeah, and and actually, I was I was able to let it go so much that when I went upstairs after the interview, I was just like beaming with excitement oh, about course. interviewing Weird Al. Like I totally forgot about it. She Good. was like, so, "So you're not mad?" I'm like, "Mad about what?" Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's great, man. That you know what? You just figured out um, uh, marriage counseling 101. Okay, everybody who's got a problem with your significant other, just set up an interview with Weird Al beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, get, you know, break the bad news to them about four minutes before the interview. You'll be fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld had it wrong. You needed a different family-friendly comedy <laughs> icon to be the marriage ref. Exactly. Exactly. But no, I like I like what you're saying here. That that's absolutely true. I mean, like you grow up with someone, whether it's Kevin Smith or Weird Al or whoever. Yeah, uh, this is a this is a uh, extension of kind of what we also talked about. In, uh, in the podcast that I did with you on your show. It's just that I feel like your passion, and it's great that you're on this show because this is about passion and obsession and everything, and healthy obsession too. I'm, I don't mean like so unhealthy that you, know, you have psychological issues about it. But you have this passion and obsession about, about uh, these people. And I mean, it's got to probably come from... This is someone who's giving me a gateway to something, you know, uh, fucking Kevin Smith is giving me a gateway and an inspiration to, uh, make films. That's for some people, or he's giving me a gateway and an inspiration to write and appreciate comedy or to appreciate, uh, you know, you could even apply it to your relationships or the people that you know, like I'm sure that your maturity probably you got a lot from watching movies just like a lot of us did i i would guess that as that but i think i think my 
whatever weird thing there is about me, like I, I need some sort of personal connection in order to be, feel really invested. Like Daryl was was suggesting some movies by, oh man, I can't remember the director right now. He did this movie uh, this year. He did a lot of movies with Mark Wahlberg and uh, Joaquin Phoenix. He did We Own the Night. He has a movie in, in theaters oh, this yeah, year. Oh, yeah, um, Someone said my tongue. Yeah, is it, I know you're is it James? Is it James Gray? James James Gray. That sounds right. Is, maybe yes. that's some. Maybe that's someone else. But in, anyway, um, Daryl was talking about how great his new movie was, uh, and uh, how I should see it. The The Immigrant. And yeah. I, and I was like, okay, yeah, that's great. I should see it. And then I heard this dude on Brady Sinellis' podcast talking about making all of his movies. And suddenly, because I knew who he was. Right. Then I had a personal investment. Then I actually wanted to see the movie. It's right. like like I can hear a recommendation, yep. sure, but I need to. I don't know what. I don't know why I need. I need to hear the positivity and the passion in somebody to right. actually make me think that it's legitimate. But but it's something that like uh like I, I think the Weird Al and the Kevin Smith thing that comes from like uh I, I talk about it at, uh, uh pretty much every episode on my podcast <laughs> or, or it comes up at at some point in, in my podcast. But I mean I didn't have any positive male figures in in my yeah, yeah, in my yeah. life as a kid. I mean I had a stepdad who lived with me for a long time, but I never heard anything like. Like you could do this, right? So when I when I'm eight years old and watching Weird Al's Behind the Music, and he said he just recorded my Bologna in a bathtub or in a bathroom and sent it to Doctor Demento, and that's how he got to start. And Kevin Smith just uh, locked the doors at his night at his job and rolled some cameras, and that's how he started uh-huh. making movies. It's it's just, like to me that's somebody telling me that I can do something uh-huh. and that I feel so thankful for the belief then put even if even if it's denial even if it's not exactly true that right. i could achieve something something like that in that moment it's the fact that they did that for me that makes me want to feel invested in 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 whatever they're putting out like and that. and and it proves to me that people can uh get better and do and, and change yeah. and and it, it, it extends to different people because i mean weird al is a perfectionist and kevin smith just tries whatever's on the top of his head at the, at the right. moment right right no, I think that's a big part of it too, man. I'm glad that you you said that because, like, you know, uh, that that's uh, that's courageous of you and and really open of you. You know, I know I know you. I know you off of uh, off the podcast and talking to you and everything. I, I I I know that there's a big part of some you know the autobiographical background to to the impetus of why we do things you know the psychological thing we 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 talked about this when we were talking about uh, lego movie but like a big part of that i i appreciate you know that you're you're able to funnel that you know there's so many people that get so hung up on the negativity but you're able to funnel that into whether it is appreciating someone in an interview or to to see what their personality really is like and kind of funnel that into them being positive, encouraging to you as a person, you know, as you're growing up or as you're making decisions, whether that is personal life decisions or career decisions. Uh, I'm sure your passion with with comedy, with stand up is very much involved with that because you're able to to kind of you do something that you you uh, I'm, I'm going to say this, but I don't mean it in an undercutting way. You mimic of course. you mimic it. 
you mimic the positivity, you mimic the encouragement, you you fake it until you make it. You know what I mean? Uh, personality wise, when it comes to something you're passionate about, I'm sure that's true about the the comedy and the stand up. Do you agree with that? Oh, I think uh, absolutely. All I am doing, all I am doing in my life is emulating people I look up to. And if if people were to see things from my perspective, it's almost like like to me it's in a sad rip-offish way, but it's such a small combination of so many different people that I guess it can seem original to other people, but right, right. but but yeah, I, I mean and this is the debatable podcast. So 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 uh, debate me on this. <laughs> there 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 could be a part of this that that <laughs> I love that you you bring you you name check the podcast and we hardly debate anything on the show. <laughs> I'm so agreeable with everyone. I think I've been saying that since like the third episode. I'm like so agreeable. I'm very like yeah, right. Yeah, you know, I never like say fuck you. No, that's wrong. <laughs> it, it, you know, it, that's funny. I've I've always wanted to. I, I get a kick out of playing devil's advocate. As soon as I, even if I agree with somebody, once I hear them arguing passionately about something, I just want to right. play the other side. And my my uh, history teacher in high school, he actually like begged me to join his debate team, but I was so like angsty about it that or that are and, and like into you know fucking punk rock and shit that like right. I'm not gonna do that. Why you want me to do that? I right. argue what I want to argue. <laughs> Fuck the system. Right. Um, but but. I hate to take you off of what you were going to say, though. When you were saying something about uh, to debate right, something, right? Right. Okay. Okay. The, the, maybe like you're right. Like that is just like me push putting all of this out there, and, and it, it becomes my art and who I am and what I'm trying to do, and and I'm trying to like I, I don't I don't know I don't know, but like, hmm. that's not to say that that other people. Don't do that either. I mean, oh no, no. Everything. I think a lot of people definitely do. Right. I, I'm trying to figure out the best way to say this, but I think there is a level of unhealthiness to it, though, because, like, I mean, I look. I'm I'm taking a, a page out of out of fucking Mark. The, Mark Maron was never successful after 30 years in sure, comedy yeah. until, until he opened up and just told everybody everything that was wrong with him. So, I mean, I'm just I'm just I'm just you starting taking, early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just using other people's examples. So, so here's what's wrong with me. Uh, nobody, nobody will know this and nobody will care. But um, we're podcast hosts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to The Nerdist. Um, Chris Hardwick is somebody who uh, uh, means a lot to me. And uh, uh, as far as people I'm mimicking, yeah, I'm just mim- I'm not mimicking sober Chris. I'm mimicking his early twenties Chris right yeah. now. Okay. Um, yeah, 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 sure, but, sure. But uh, he. Uh, he posted a tweet uh, a few days ago that was, hey, uh, sorry, this is weird and awkward, but just so everybody knows, me and at Skydart, which is his girlfriend, his pre- uh, uh, Chloe Dykstra, uh, mm-hmm. have decided to split. And uh, sorry, that's weird. Uh, it's fresh. Please be respectful. And he didn't need to say that, but yeah. Chloe's such a presence on the podcast and the intros and everybody who listens to the podcast right, feels yeah, like yeah. they know Chris and they just know that they're dating. And I understand him wanting to put that out there. I don't know what it is about me that like I can I can respond to that tweet and I did and I responded to both <laughs> of them and I just said, hey, I have endless love and support for both of you no matter what, almost to like an absurd degree, which sounds like a joke, but it's true. Right. Um, but my problem is the part where I'm saying that it's unhealthy is the fact that I watch at midnight every night and and last night or the other night Jean uh, her name's not Jean Grey the actress who plays oh, Jean yeah, Grey oh yeah Jansen or Fonky yeah. Johnson yeah yeah so she she was on she just like was a guest and she and Chris said something flirty to her 
sort of. And he yeah. got a picture with her on his Instagram. And why is my brain it's so fucking uh, insistent on creating a narrative there when I, right, I've, I've right. said jack shit to this guy. He knows nothing about how I'm thinking about him. I mean, that, that might be the dangerous part of, of, of podcasting that I'm trying to get everybody who listens to my show to be a part of, to, to right, have concern right. for me. Who knows if he wants me to be concerned with that narrative? I mean, he tweeted that tweet about his relationship. Who knows? But I think there's... A, that has to be some some fucking loose switch in me that that some mechanic hasn't plugged back in, which it, I, I don't know what that is. Not doing drugs one day, not drinking one day, talking to my father one day if that ever happens. Who knows? Right, right. But like, will that ever stop? Am I? Is that always going to be part of Ken? Am I doomed to care about people who don't care about me? Interesting. And Interesting. is that bad? Well, look, I mean, that there certainly isn't as much as I think that it's healthy what you're what you're laying out on the table. At the same time, I don't think that there is a clean-cut answer. You know, this is certainly something that people, you know, go to therapy for. This is something that people talk to you know, really not, you know, I, I consider myself your friend. So perfect, perfectly, I feel like this is, this is something that we would talk about, but whether there is a, a judgment about it, I don't think that there is. I mean, I don't know if there is, Hey, uh, Ken, this is right. This is wrong. I think everything is a gray area. So whether, you know, as much as we've talked, which in a given circumstance has, how long did your podcast go? Two, two and a half hours, something like that? Yeah. That's the longest that we've talked, and we've talked a bunch sporadically between that. Mm-hmm. Knowing you, like you like you made perfectly clear on your podcast, know, trying to know someone by the way that they act on their show, on uh, in interviews, um, getting a, a personality of someone. How much time does it take before you know someone? Like, I wonder if it's uh, it's something that just can't be answered um, in a in a in a in a fashion that is worth saying this is right and this is wrong. I don't think that it's clean cut black and white. So when I think about it, honestly, when I think about you and uh, and kind of you you being attracted to people and celebrities and these uh, these people that we really uh, respect uh, being podcasters and being people that that are comedy fans and comedy nerds and and film nerds and everything when we talk about this I, I think that I, I see that through line of you being attracted to people who are transparent that are able to n- not overshare but they're able to share something about themselves Maybe, you know, I, I'm certainly from from what I've seen of Weird Al, I certainly know that he he uh, respects his privacy and there's a, a part of his life that he doesn't share with everyone else. I'm sure, yes. th- I'm sure yes. that's true about Chris Hardwick, too. And to a certain degree, I'm sh- sure that that's uh, true about Kevin Smith. But the biggest 
you know, uh, uh, male role models in your life, they do this thing where uh, they're able, and it, and it, and this is certainly informed by you deciding to go into to podcasting, which, in a way, connecting with comedy is about sharing. It's about sharing something with an audience member or a listener or something. So. To me, even though these people are transparent and 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 able to show something and and uh, and, uh, and and share something about themselves, I wonder how much of that is is truly them. You know, I'm sure Chris Hardwick is certainly a fucking nice guy. I've never seen anything about him that makes him seem like a douche or a prick. Same thing for Weird Al. And honestly, as far as uh, the love he has for his fans, uh, you know, Kevin Smith has had a couple ups and downs, but he certainly does love his fan base. Yeah. So, I mean, th- that's the thing. Like, when, I, when I'm talking to you about this and whether you think that that's unhealthy, all the, all the elements that you're, you're talking about these people, all these aspects that you're referring to you, you emulating or liking, all of them are actually pretty positive. Yeah, you're right, and and actually, as you as you went, said all of that and, and like laid it out like like straight like like this is exactly like pretty much how it is. You know, there's the the, the <coughs> fact that I do comedy. The comedian's brain is is we we it's not automatically like this. We notice oddities in the world, but once we start writing jokes, we're hardwired to find the things that suck. Yeah. So we can comment on them. Right. So suddenly I'm finding what's bad about every situation and not even trying to look at the good side. Whereas while you were saying that, I'm like, okay, maybe there's – if I'm trying to be a scientist and logic my situation, it's just like, oh, uh, Chris release, uh, releases a project three days a week or uh, releases content three days a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's content that appeals to me. I listen to it three days a week. He puts on a show four days a week. I that content appeals to me too. Right. I watch that every day. Right. Why would I not connect A plus B and C? Like Absolutely. as long as it's in my face, of course I'm going to be Absolutely. thinking about it. There's you're, nothing. You're, there's nothing wrong with it. You're doing nothing different than someone who follows a band to all of their um, uh, venues for their concerts for a tour. You're not doing anything different than someone who is 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 infatuated or or watches uh, all of the movies of a particular filmmaker. You're not doing anything really different. You are what they define as the coterie audience for them. The coterie audience is that built-in audience that's going to be there for that artist's uh, output no matter what. So David Lynch comes out with a new movie. There's a coterie audience already installed that's going to go see that movie. He doesn't – like there's a level of new fans he's going to get. But uh, an artist like David Lynch, so much of his fame and notoriety is based on a coterie audience already. And that's true of, of a lot of artists. You know, that's not true of mainstream mass uh, audiences, whether that's, you know, uh, talking about movies, music, books or whatever, people that only get on the thing because it's, you know, in the top 10 of some list or they heard someone on the news talk about it. But a coterie audience, like a a coterie audience member, Green Day, you follow Green Day because you're a coterie audience member. You follow Chris Hardwick because of that. So if he's if he's. If anyone, if any of these artists are manufacturing your choice of drug 
And it, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong. It's not like they are terrorists. It's not like they are um, providing hate speech and you're you're on board with it. Everything that you're talking about is is a positive thing, and it's probably positively affecting your relationships, your life, the way that you make decisions. You think, you know what? Uh, it, it, there, there's a lot of good things that are coming out of it simply because... Yeah, I, also, I, yeah. I guess all it means is I'm practicing empathy. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, yeah, I, I was just about to say something. I'm sorry I interrupted you, but now I forgot what it was. So, <laughs> but, I always go, but I always go back to it because we talked, we talked about this a couple times before, and I think that... Um, to to paint w- without getting psychoanalytical with this too late. That's where you say too late. Um, it's also like you. I've always painted you, and I've said this before, as someone who's down. You're down for something. Oh, totally. Like, there are people that are not. I, I don't even consider myself to be down. If someone asks me to do something. I have to. I, I'm such a Type A personality. I have to think about what are the logistics of doing it. We're going on vacation next month, my girlfriend and I, and I have to go through the logistics of where we're going to stay, what we're going to do, where we're going to go, and it almost for Type A personalities, especially, just the having the the worry or the concern of setting things up and the logistics can be enough to make you want to cancel your plans. Yeah. But like you, on the other hand, every time I hear about you traveling, liking to drive in your car, going all over the country either for a road trip or going to concerts all over the place, I get the feeling that someone says, hey, let's go do this. And you're like, oh, fuck yeah, let's do this. Yeah, that's absolutely true. It's so funny because like, like you're like my wife. Like my wife is always <laughs> cons- concerned with, with the details and right. planning and like, like will it work out when I believe that like if you want something to work out, it will work out. Right. And it's so funny because last night um, Daryl was like, uh, so uh, you're going to go see Merciful Fate with uh, me and our friends uh, Brooks and Mike? And I'm like, uh, yes. I don't need to know a venue or a date. I'm right. Like, yes. <laughs> Yes. Now, now the 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 twist to that is, I could say, Greg, do you want to join me, Daryl, Mike, and Brooks to go see Merciful Fate? It's literally down the street from your apartment. Yeah. Where are you being like my wife, or probably just like, uh, I'll have to look at the date. Yeah. Tell me, yeah. tell me the date. Tell me the time. I have to think about what I would be doing if I'm just getting off work. If I have to go pick someone up, am I gonna have dinner? Am I gonna be hungry? Am I gonna have to go there right after work and I can't get dinner, so I'm gonna have to order something there and it's gonna be really expensive. <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like every single question that comes up, and and that's the thing. It's just like. I would love to – I'm so jealous of that personality of being able to just be down and say yes, be a yes person that I go out of my way to really try to be spontaneous and my whole life has been uh, I need to work myself up to be a yes person. I, I, I mean like in my adult life after – I would say at post-college, I've been a lot more of a yes person than I was previously. I think there was a certain antisocial level to it that I just could never get past. But even nowadays, I'm like, 
if it's a big undertaking, if it's something like a friend saying, let's get together and do something in New York, I have to think about the logistics of where I would be on that particular day I have to leave. I'm going to hit traffic. I'm going to do the... So, like, every single thing is a, is a checklist, and I wish that my personality wasn't that, but, I mean, honestly, I probably have the job that I have because I'm so, like, detail-oriented, you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, that's, that's it's, where... It's probably a positive and a negative. It's a negative in my life, but it's a positive uh, as a career, you know? Yeah, uh, totally, because where it works as a positive for you, it works as a negative for me, whereas, like, I don't have... I had a job as a manager of a pizza place, and uh, it it Joy was a great-paying job. Yeah. yeah, I had a set schedule, set salary, made great bonuses. But I mean, anytime I wanted to do anything, yeah. it was a set schedule, and I I, I couldn't send, spend my bonus the way I wanted it to. So yeah. now, now I have a shitty job and don't make a lot of money, but can say yes to things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, this is the thing that I, I really appreciate about someone like you. Not only are we on the, the same page with kind of our, you know, our passions. Like, it, we don't necessarily have to like the exact same things. But the the key to opening the door to each one of our passions, like the way that you are passionate about Kevin Smith or Weird Al or Green Day or the movies that you like or whatever, whenever I see that passion in you, and, and Grant, that you're a younger kid, but uh, I love calling people who are just a little younger than me kids. But <laughs> that, that's fine. I'm always convincing myself I'm way too old to ever achieve anything, so I love to hear it. Sure. <laughs> little Kenny Edwards, but uh, no, I feel like that's the thing. I feel like I I, I want to be that uh, that personality, and uh, I I appreciate that. I see a lot of uh, mirrored reflection in our in our passions, even though they're different. The key to it, the the um, the type of aspects to it that we both feel, we feel it so strongly in a very similar way, and that's what I attach myself to. That's what I like about you. Yeah. Well, yeah. Thank you. Uh, but I, I, my passions wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to live a comfortable lifestyle like like if it weren't for my wife. Like yeah. God bless her for like having faith in in my path like i guess she has to see a part of the passion that you're seeing too or else this would all be pointless to right. to let me deliver pizza three days a week right and, while she pays most of our bills in hopes that one day this all pays off right. like like i could not imagine if i were her if in like in 10 years or the, in the exact same situation how could she not resent me for right. working so much harder than me over the last decade i mean right. i work hard to like get you know, Weird Al on my podcast, but still, that's something that like I I, I want. Yeah. You know, she doesn't want to get up and go to work. Yeah. 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 No. 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 I mean, the thing is that like that's that's constantly the struggle. We kind of talked about this before too. It's like the struggle is what is the dream and what is reality? Like, what can you do to fulfill your dreams while you're still paying bills? Like, it's such a hard thing. People people shut down just at the level of, I need to pay my bills. And they never go beyond that. They don't, maybe, maybe they plan for a vacation once in a while, but so many people work to just die. You know what I mean? They work just to pay their bills and eventually die. Yeah, I mean, what you want 
what America wants you to want is to be sitting on your comfortable couch waiting for the mail to come so you can circle the thing that you yeah. want the UPS guy to bring out of the magazine that yes. the mailman's bringing to you today. Yes. And if that passion doesn't – like if your passion is just funneled into that, that – it's almost like – I've talked about this with my best friend Dan so many times that the, the, the mile marker, the proof of success is so often, especially in this country, it's so often how much money you make. It isn't – have you what have you done uh, creatively? What have you done that has uh, fulfilled your dreams? What have you done that has bettered your soul or bettered you as a person? People don't even use those mile markers. You have to. You're almost thought of as a as a fucking uh, uh, hippie or or some spiritualist if you if you want that. Absolutely, Ken. What 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 uh, what work? What do you do for work? Oh well, my work. I'm a I'm a. I mean, I deliver pizza for money. Oh, so you deliver? Well, I'm a comedian. Oh, you're comedian. You make money performing? No, but I I toured around the country last fall. Yeah, yeah. Wow, you were a touring comic. You made money? No, but I did what I wanted to do, and I made exactly. people laugh. Um, yeah, there's there's that part of you where where. I mean, if it weren't for my wife, I'm sure I'd be that guy that like you know. I, oh, it sounds really egotistical for this comparison, but I'm going to go for it out of the out of the the in the name of honesty. You, you hear those stories about George Clooney sleeping in uh, his friend's closet for ten years before he actually like became a thing. Oh, I would so be that guy. <laughs> Fuck working fifty hours a week to pay for some apartment I never even want to be in in some shitty town I don't want to live in. Yeah, like. Uh, I don't know. It's it, yeah. If you if you aren't making money doing what you're doing, you're just some weird loser. Yeah. And if you do make money in the arts, then well, I don't know. Like then people are going to discredit all the ten years. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Towards it where you didn't have anything. Right. As soon as you uh, quote unquote sell out, they forget about the, how hard the road was to getting to sell out you know what i mean absolutely like i i can't believe like anyone who gives any actor a hard time for their fucking artistic integrity and what they choose to do i don't care like like samuel l jackson and morgan freeman how many movies do you think they've signed on where they had to do two-day shoots where they showed turned out to be the villain at the end of some movie (laughs) and like they got a paycheck for it like okay that's not artistic integrity but you know what else is an artistic integrity me wasting two days of time on Facebook, like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. two days that I'm on Facebook, I'm not doing anything to further my career, and I'm not getting a paycheck for it. At least those guys are are their experience. Are like Morgan Freeman did Wanted. At least he got to hang out with James McAvoy and Andrew, <laughs> Angelina Jolie for two days. Who cares? Exactly. No, I I like that a lot. I like I like that. I like people that don't think of um of things in in such a a black and white way like they think that okay this one's got integrity this one doesn't but i think every single person wants recognition for what they do and i mean if you're passionate about something you're honestly going to do it without getting a paycheck if you're Doing something with the promise of a big payday at the end, like that's what drives you, that's so fucking empty. 
Absolutely. P- like, okay, who's a punch? Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice is a punchline. <laughs> Let's say, uh, like, like Kevin Smith. He did, okay, fuck Kevin Smith. He did Cop Out. His career's over. Yeah. Okay, he did Cop Out, but he wanted to work with Bruce Willis, and he got to. Like, right. like Vanilla Vanilla Ice. I don't know what he's doing right now. I don't care what he's doing right now. But if he is happy, if he is in some, he if he is in his garage, wherever that is. Uh, working on some album that nobody's going to hear and he's happy, I do not care how much of a punchline he is. He is the boss. Mm -hmm. That dude is awesome. I don't, yeah, like Ice Ice Baby is outdated. But you know what? (laughs) We can refer to Kevin Smith as the clerk's guy, not the cop-out guy. That's true. And also, I mean, he. it's not like he was, uh, I'm talking about Kevin Smith here, it's not like he was forced into that. He wanted to make a studio film. Yeah. He wanted to make a studio film when he made Mallrats. He wanted to do, you know, every single part of his life, every single, you know, spoke in that wheel, he made happen. He didn't do it because he was trying to pay off a, a tax evasion grant or pay off a, a house that was going to be, uh, you know, uh, 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 sold or, or foreclosed on. You know what I mean? Right, but even if even if Nicolas Cage is, is <laughs> e- even if he's doing money to... Right. To um, fix all of his tax problems, he's fixing tax problems right. that he that are that coming from decisions he made sure. when he was making movies that were cooler than the ones he's making <laughs> now. So maybe if he was paying all of his taxes, we wouldn't be able to see him be awesome and leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, that's true. I don't know, but see, I like the both sides of that coin. You know, I like. Scene. I do enjoy a certain percentage of Nick Cage and other actors who are doing paycheck movies, not the movie paycheck, but paycheck movies, um, <laughs> with, uh, with a certain level. I mean, honestly, I mean, I don't know how many of these great performances that we kind of name check for Nick Cage we would get if he wasn't doing paycheck movies. So... With that, I like I like a percentage of those as much as I I get as much entertainment out of a percentage of those as I do from his high art stuff like Leaving Las Vegas. Yeah, and, is, and also you got to understand like there is no anyone <coughs> who has the balls to call themselves an artist. There's no one out there who, if they are going to remain successful and be anyone that you can respect, they're not just sitting back and just like thinking about what they just did, like. I they're thinking about what they can do next, and that's the only reason you're thinking about them at all. Like, yeah, it, it was a startling revelation to me the fact that like like okay, two years ago when I started my podcast, if you'd have told me if Future Ken would have showed up in in uh, Bill and Ted's Time Machine and told him <laughs> that uh, one day you'd have Weird Al on your podcast, I'd be like, done, mission yeah. accomplished, <laughs> and it just in the podcast, Ken. Whereas like. Okay, it w- like I said earlier, it was a great moment when I walked upstairs and like smiled at Hillary right after the interview. But that night, while I was posting the Weird Al podcast, while yeah. I was writing the description of it, instead of like taking in like how great a moment that was, my only my I mean, and this is the the uh, narcissistic negative comedian uh, joke writing uh, right. part of the brain taking over. But I'm like. Uh, Oh, so Weird Al's on on your podcast this week. Great. Who are you gonna have on next week? <laughs> Tom and Rosie again? <laughs> Paul and AJ? Like you have like, to you have, you have to think about your calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like how how the fuck am I supposed to follow up Weird Al? 
what are you gonna are you gonna get on Twitter and just if anybody who looks at your profile they'll see desperate tweets like um Weird Al was on my last episode Chris Hardwick do you want to do my podcast <laughs> that is that is true you know how how actors you know they can't there there are actors that will go scale after they've made the big payday but the whole idea is that once you're in the big payday movie you know your shit moves incrementally with each movie that you make after that there are not many actors like your 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 uh podcast at this point can't go back to getting paid scale you have to you have to get the next biggest thing so but see, I that's the do about that. <laughs> exactly. You've already fulfilled your dream. I, I thought that when I started this podcast, if I could get the dude um, who played, um, oh, why am I blanking on his fucking name? Oh no, <laughs> shit. Um, Ellis, Ellis from Die Hard. If I could get that dude. Uh, Hart Bachner on the podcast. He's he's so obscure, but he's my favorite like side character in that movie. He also directed PCU and um, which character is this in Die Hard? Ellis, the dude with the with the beard that uh, drinks the coke and Han shoots in the face. Okay, okay. <laughs> Put away the gun. This is radio, not TV. Yeah, <laughs> that dude. He's awesome, and uh, he he directed uh, PCU, and what's the other movie that he directed? Oh, fucking High School High, that parody with uh, with uh, John Lovitz. But anyway, okay. he's such an obscure guy. Like, Greg, why would you, you set that as the bar? But really, like, I appreciate that dude so much as a as a character actor and his experience as a as a as a Hollywood director just doing those two movies um, which are pretty good comedies I PCU's a pretty damn good comedy that I think that if I had him on the podcast not too long ago I was saying well that would be it I would end the podcast <laughs> that'd be the end of debatable I feel like you have to move uh uh, you know, it's not about the the level of the next guest, uh, the person that needs to follow up Weird Al, but it's got to be the quality of the, the show. The quality, exactly. Yeah. At this point, if you I know, get a bunch of new listeners who only cared about Weird Al and didn't know who I was, right. and then they subscribe and then they listen to the next episode with me and some other nobody they yeah. never heard of, and they still are interested, then I win. Right. Right. And hearing how much, uh, honestly, how, how much tender love and care you're putting in to the podcast. I mean, even the one that was, you know, the behind the scenes on, on podcasting, which honestly, man, was a little long. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> it was, but it was so inside baseball that, I mean, obviously it's something that I was going to, to love. But hearing the... The editing and the uh, the quality that you're putting into even something like that, which is really, I mean, of all your podcasts, that was one of those passion projects. I mean, you're yeah. putting when you're putting that much quality into it. I mean, that does keep people coming. I hope. I hope that people react to that because they see how much you're passionate about i i talk to people on twitter i've gained people uh gained uh listeners for debatable that i talk to on twitter and whatever this one guy nick in, in particular and 
we hit it off and I think that there's kind of this unspoken respect because he is seeing what, you know, he's seeing and hearing what you see and hear in the people that you are encouraged by and you look up to. He sees that in my show. He he has a read on the type of personality I am or uh, my sense of humor or whatever and that bonds us and we start talking online about film or whatever and that just bonds us because he already kind of gets a read on my personality from listening to the show, you know? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's almost as important as listenership to me. Yeah. I, I totally agree. That's, that's totally true. I'd, I'd rather have people who actually care about my show than people who are just listening just to go like, ugh, he didn't have a guest again. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, so <coughs> in the scope of things and, and combining that with what we were talking about earlier with like, like my ridiculous amount of empathy for Chris and his ex-girlfriend. Uh, so movies became like a, like everybody had a TV in their house and, and everybody was pretty, a pretty, uh, normal movie goer, let's say like 50 years ago, just rounding it sure. off. That's a nice round number. Sure. O- over that time, like a little, a few years go by, Jaws becomes the per- first big summer blockbuster. We all get obsessed with movies, you know, and then, uh, there starts to be more TV channels and everybody's into different TV shows. And then there's all kinds of different genres and, and people different releasing different movies, and then the internet comes out, and then people can start releasing their own material on the internet, and we're trying to create our own web series and our own movies and fun Kickstarters to make our own independent movies to to show what emotions we're feeling on our, our own artistic way, and that's where we're at right now with movies. Now, podcasting came about, what, nine years ago, seven years ago, something yeah. like that? Mm-hmm. Fast forward that. If we're at the point right <clears throat> now I have um, – uh, a well of empathy for these people that I don't even know who happen to be the most successful ones. And there are people who have empathy for us who we never met previously who listen to our shows and follow along because they like our personalities. Imagine how far movies have come with the general population in the last 50 years. If the level of empathy from the general public of people who aren't regular podcast listeners multiplies a tenth, of as much as it did with movies over the course of 50 years, then I think suddenly the way we're all relating our thoughts and experiences of empathy and having to listen to people in a uncensored way, in a way that we can't talk back and we're forced to deal with our feelings and how we feel about those particular people, that exponentially creates a perfect world. I'm with it. I like it. Are you we- going to are you going to be disappointed if if that doesn't happen in your lifetime, though? No, but my philosophy is always one of which um, uh, I, as, as negative as I can sound, I am not a, uh, I, I'm not a pessimist. Okay. Like, if you, if you were to ask me right. if I, I, I take things in realistically, I look at everything that's presented to me, but if you're asking me if I believe in the afterlife, you know, all I can say is, it really doesn't look like it, but I fucking hope so. Right. That's that's what I, the the life I'm living right now is the future is, is based on the future that I want to see. So, so I, I hope there's an afterlife. I hope I get to relive all of this and hang out with all of you guys one day. There's no way to tell. There's no way to tell. The fact right. that we live right now in this is ridiculous. So it's no more ridiculous if we get a afterlife someday. Sure. So. I, I hope so. I hope we are, are helping to perpetuate and and uh, multiply the amount of people's empathy that they can uh, have. Not to be a drag, but what about 
the level of notoriety that either your podcast or your career in comedy or if your passions change what if you don't gain that level of notoriety until you're 50 years old like Mark Mare or if you don't gain that notoriety until posthumously until after your your life well i mean if i have I mean, I'm going to be doing it either way. If I've gotten to 50 years old and I've given up on the things that make me happy, then I hope I've died of cancer by then. <laughs> right on, right on. <laughs> you don't want to be. You don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be a shell. Right, like, like I right now in my life, where I'm at at 26 years old in Waynesboro, Virginia, I'm not living in a comedy community. So the most I can do right now is I, I am trying to put on as many shows as I can in this immediate area. Right now, I'm putting on one show per month. I get to host one show per month that I am in charge of, and that makes me happy. It's worth it. I right? hope. I yeah, and I hope within the next 24 years, by the time I'm 50, I'll be able to multiply that uh, and expand it a little bit, and, and that'll help probably keep my happiness going and if we haven't really re- reached a, a a new milestone of getting closer to world peace then you know what at least I'll be doing comedy but right now I'm living in a world where I think that's the future and that makes everything easier to deal with right now and it makes what I'm doing right now in this moment of talking to you and knowing that there are people listening to this right now feel that much more important to me yeah yeah I'm a big fan of that so we're going to move into the last two segments of the show. Is there anything – do you feel good up to this point? I, ta- I talked to, to Joe and I, I presented the same thing. I feel like I want to get a read if you are happy with the content before we move on. Oh, yeah. This is, I mean, like you said, we didn't have anything going into the conversation. <laughs> and I'm actually like, like I'm like, wow, I'm really surprised you didn't prep for this for three days. Man, this, this is pretty good. You're, you're <laughs> pulling back the curtain again. Audience, inside Ken's head right now, he's going, you did good. Well, well done. Keep it up, Ken. You're almost to the finish line. <laughs> um, so I asked you to bring some questions. Yeah. Do you have questions? Uh, I have two that I've been thinking about. One, I'm not even sure how it can be answered, so we can save that if this other one takes too long. But this first one is just based off what I experienced last night. So last night, I'm going to Queens of the Stone (coughs) Age. It's Queens of the Stone Age and St. Vincent, two massively different bands. But even if you're going for St. Vincent, anyone who goes to that show is going to know. They've been around long enough. They're much bigger. Queens of the Stone Age is closing, right? Yeah. So... If you're in the front of the pit and you're there for Queens of the Stone Age, um, I, don't, I don't know how familiar you are with them. I don't know what live videos you've seen. or anything. <laughs> What do you expect the pit of a Queens of the Stone Age show to be, Greg? Uh, very energetic by the time they get on, right? Yeah, exactly, right? People getting pushed around. Yeah, yeah. So St. Vincent comes on and she's like this weird <laughs> mix between like like – Trent Reznor and Lady Gaga and David sure. Bowie and, sure. and we're, we're all just like in awe like literally my jaws dropped the whole show so we're all just standing still we're packed in like sardines but we're standing still and nobody's like sweating and it's just like cool and some people are like dancing but nobody's in each other's personal space yeah. but she isn't a rock act <laughs> she's doing her own thing she was amazing sure. and I recommend anyone go see her if you get the chance to but Queens is a rock act yes. so they don't start till 9 p.m it's like late at night it's already like 
like hot. People have been warmed up by two bands. I don't even remember the opening band, but but um, anyway, yeah. So they start, and of course they're going to start with like a big rocking opener. As soon as they start, I mean, this is a band I've seen uh, many, many, many bands that I love. I'm, I'm a big concert goer, and I've never seen them, so I'm like stoked. I've loved them for um, eleven years at this point. Yeah. yeah. And so as soon as they go into the first song, I'm, I'm like one of those guys that can't just stand back with their arms crossed. I've, if it's a rock band, I have to like, you know, I have to jump around. I have to like go get in there with the people who are feeling as good about it as I am. If they want to push me around, great. I'm all about it. It's, it's we're all moving right. as one organism. That's what the pit is all about, right? Right. I've got to bang my head and like, you know. You're only seeing the band for half the show because you're having such a good time doing what is the equivalent of dancing with disco music, sure. except it's just like heavy rock music. So if I'm alone, I'm pretty good at about getting, getting to the front of the barricade up, up against the bar. Mm-hmm. And I get up there. I'm like three people back. And you know I'm right in front of Josh Holm. And he's just like ripping in his guitar. And it's like just fucking awesome. And everyone around me is like feeling it. And I get a little closer. And there's this woman in her 40s up against the barricade. Like, and I don't, I'm not calling her out for her age. But like she did just stick out like, right. like compared to everyone around sure. her. And it isn't because of what she looked like that added to it but it was her general what she was emitting her attitude yeah i get up there and like she is like she has an angry face she is just looking around her in every every way and i i get up to like right behind her and you know going with the ebb and flow of the crowd i get pushed into her she turns around screams like you know cartoonish spit <laughs> flying out of her mouth into my face uh-huh. get the fuck off of me and, and to which I just say, it's not me. This is how the crowd goes. To which she responds, I've been to concerts before, kid. <laughs> so I say, then why are you surprised? And she says, it doesn't need to be like this. This isn't fun. <laughs> to which I say, I'm having a whole lot of fun. And as she's watching me, you know, I just sort of like catapult off of the person next to me into into the crowd and just mosh around and come back to her sure. and get back in my spot. Because that's what the show is. If you're if you're fighting for one spot in a crowd like that, you're not – all you're doing it's, is is I don't know. You're fighting a war for some I, square inch of real estate instead of enjoying a show. I automatically don't like people who kind of try to police other people's fun. I have some close friends that are like that. Yeah. I, I just don't like it. Like the idea is that uh, it has to fit in their definition of how it goes for everyone to uh, have fun. Yet they don't think, well, maybe this person over here likes moshing, or this person over here, you know, likes the energy and the flow of the music. Uh, I've had people that are like, you know don't laugh while we're watching a movie you know i've right. had people that, that that when we're watching something that's serious don't laugh like <laughs> how the fuck do you police someone's reaction how do you police someone's like how they how they uh experience something whether it's music or otherwise yeah that um, i wouldn't be a fan of her either yeah, it says on the ticket, general admission. I mean, wh- wh- I-, I saw Paul McCartney at Bonnaroo last year. There was a dude, like, like as I was getting closer to the front, he was like, like literally every hippie that walked by him, he was like, come on, come on. Really? Yeah, wow. like, like 
I'm do and I said as I was passing, I was like, dude, there's open <coughs> grass here. Like, why would we not be like I do try to engage these people because I honestly want to know what is going sure. through their head. The woman last night said to me, um, I like the music. And like that was her response. <laughs> and I said, you can go back to the lawn and hear the music and nobody will push you. Yeah. To which she just didn't respond whatsoever. But she was just having a – she had a really shitty time the rest of the show. And I don't know what she was trying to prove or if she went home and said that was an awesome Queens of the Stone that concert. She, that but she I don't had, think she did. That she had the best spot, you know? Yeah. You know, the the the, the people that go to 930 Club and, and other – DC area shows but uh, black cat is another venue um, you go to these and I I have seen it a, a bunch of times it's just a certain level of you you have the people that have a, a definition as and a designation of where to be and they plant themselves and they do not want to move um, and it's not really about being part of the crowd they, yeah. they differentiate themselves from the crowd immediately. Yeah, I feel like there's some, there's some unwritten context that we're just all – like there can't be a set of rules for right. a general mission at every show. Like if we were, if we were all at a Tony Bennett concert <laughs> and there were people doing what they were doing at Queens of the Stone Age, I would get annoyed too. Yeah, sure. But, but, but it's Queens, Queens of the Stone Age. Yeah, so, so yes, anyone is allowed to buy a pit ticket. I've been, I've been in a, a, a group. Dude, I mean, Green Day, I think a lot of people think of Green Day and think like, uh, you know, young teens, those are the people that want to be in the pit. But, you know, there's a lot of people that have been listening that were 14 when Dookie came out that are in their 30s and 40s now. And just as many of those people are up front. So when you've got dudes in their 40s who are just as stoked (laughs) about about Green Day coming out on stage as they were when they were 14, I mean, they're in the same pit. I've seen mothers with like eight-year-olds in the pit complaining about it and – Okay, so my question is, yes, anyone is allowed to buy a pit ticket, but but should they be? Like what? Right. Uh, there has to be some sort of context or guideline or rule that we can all like just agree on. So this, I'm so tired. I've seen, look, I've seen Paul I've... Smith. Paul Smith is listening to this right now, and he is on the opposite side of me. He hates people at concerts. He loves concerts, but he hates people at concerts because he hates the people like me. He thinks everybody should be. In order, and honestly, we should all not not talk. And honestly, to music. Paul doesn't like m- most of humanity. Um, <laughs> I like I like Paul, but Paul is a is a is a bitter person. I love you, Paul, but you're a bitter person. I think that no, what, what I I could have sworn that I've seen on many tickets um, a a designation of what type of uh, fun will be had in the different areas, especially a pit ticket. I could have sworn that there was kind of like guidelines that you should, we, you know, we won't uh, take uh, responsibility for people getting hurt. Usually pits are blah, 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 so on and so forth. I could have sworn that that's been put out there for people when they get tickets. No? Nah, not really. I mean, usually it's just you get in the pit and there are signs on either side that say no moshing just so people like just so the venue can say that they said that. And then there's no regard for what people do. Like there was one point she tried to get the I mean, there were people moshing and, you know, there are always people security guards who pull them out of the crowd, like get up on the barricade and pull them out. And like the woman called them over and she was like, can you do something about all these people pushing? And I heard the guy was like. This is part of the show. I mean, we we can't control a group of people. Yes. 
like I I don't know I don't I uh, I just I love concerts and I just don't understand what is so hard about knowing the context of the group you want to be in the front for so badly and if you have a problem for it and just want to hear the music yeah go back to the back yeah they're think, on giant screens you're yeah. not seeing them any worse yeah I think that honestly you're. I think people have different definitions and they consider, okay, well, I'm closer to the stage. That's the better place. But I think that you're the type of person for a concert that concerts are made for. So those people who you said, you know, might have grown up listening to not Queens of the Stone Age, but like Green Day or whatever that grew up or, or, or are the age group for a particular artist, whether she was there for, uh, for St. Vincent or, or otherwise. Um, I think that you're the, you know, not the, I'm not saying the age, but I think that you are the person that concerts are geared towards and you understand these unspoken kind of designations. Whereas other people, I I know for a fact, there are people that, uh, equate where you're situated in relation to the band and the stage as to how good an experience it is. They yeah. don't think that lawn, they don't think that nosebleed seats uh, equal a good time, which is total bullshit. Anyone knows well, that you can have a great experience anywhere. That's true, but I have been spoiled on concerts from a young age. Sure. I, 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 ha- I have been that douche who's had a lawn, nothing but a lawn seat and just been like, ugh, I yeah. just wish I was up front. Are you like, going to be, are you, here's the question, when you're her age... Are you going to get mad about someone running into you? No, because here's the thing. It's not that – I don't think I'm even annoyed that she didn't know what to expect. I'm annoyed that she thinks we were all collectively trying to piss her <laughs> off. Like, like I'm not there to piss her off. Right. I'm there – like I can't help what that music makes me do. And because I love that music that much and it has that much of a control over me, that's why I bought the fucking ticket. It sure. costs it costs 75 bucks to be in that pit last night. Like I can't believe anybody would spend that much money on it if it's not something that makes their body do yes. things involuntarily. Right. I feel yeah. good about it. So was the question what I should have expected the pit to be? I, I guess so. Or, 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 or is my res- okay? Here's my real question. What I wanted to say, it, what I wanted to happen was for her to turn around and go back to the, was just to go fuck it and go back to the lawn, yeah, and say something like, I don't know, really inappropriate. Like I was so angry with her demeanor that I wanted to end whatever sentence I I directed towards her with "you old cunt." <laughs> She didn't even look that old. She Wait a minute. That. So really, I think that the whole point of this story is to get me to agree that your reaction of calling her a cunt would have been all right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and my answer is yes. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Problem solved. Next. Next question. Do you, have, do you have another question or do you want me to do my, do my side of this? Uh, do do what you you're gonna do. Okay, well I'm gonna do a little a little callback a little callback to to a program called Inside the Actor Studio. You're okay. gonna you're gonna get it. You're gonna get the ten questions. Okay. Are you ready for it? 
I've never watched this show. Okay, so this is going to be extra special for you. This is uh, ten questions that uh, that James Lipton ha- has basically um, uh, squinched down and, and refined uh, from the the Proust questionnaire. Also, uh, Bernard Pivot, I think his name is. Anyway, uh, this uh, this uh, TV personality used to ask these questions and it, it really comes from the Proust questionnaire so these are 10 questions that they always ask one inside the actor studio and uh, let's see how you how you do with them they might be pretty lame but let's see how you go with it okay <laughs> cool okay so let's start with the first one what and 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 also these can be quick answers these can be one word answers so you know let's see how fast it goes through what is your favorite word oh uh... Fuck. Don't think about it too long. I think I just answered it. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> this will probably be mirrored later. There's another question. Uh, what is your least favorite word? Uh, oppression? Oh, just some... some, some <laughs> Slavery? Pre- I, I was just... Yeah, I was trying to think of the most pretentious, like, like what I'm against. Well, it's a, pre- it's a pretentious <laughs> questionnaire, so you have to answer pretentiously. Okay. So your least favorite word is oppression. Um, uh, yeah, sure. What turns you on? St. Vincent. (laughs) (laughs) What turns you off? That old cunt. (laughs) What sound or noise do you love? A woman coming. Yeah, that's that. Well, I'm a fan of that. Uh, what sound or noise do you hate? Oh, can I just give you a texture? I hate cotton. I hate cotton. Cotton you, can fuck itself. You mean like your cotton shirt? No, no, no. Like a cotton ball. Like if 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 oh. I, like if a cotton ball came in contact with my fingernails, I want somebody to kill me immediately. Really. So yeah. why do you have like like my girlfriend hates styrofoam? What's the texture of it that bothers you? I don't like styrofoam either. Really? Yeah, that's actually. I don't like this. There we go. Sound. You ask sound. The sound of styrofoam. Oh, the squinchy. Yeah, the squinchy sound. Yeah. What is your favorite curse word? Fuck. See, it's a double. <laughs> yep. Uh, what profession other than the one you have right now would you like to attempt? Ooh, this is always the 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 deep one compared to the 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 last one. Um, it's hard because I don't I still don't know how to define myself. I don't I don't know if I'm a podcaster or a musician or, or a comedian or, or or what. So so I guess I would just pick the what we went back to at the very beginning of this and just go actor. Actor. Okay. What profession would you not like to do? Oh, um. Absolutely not. Just um, manage anything that, like, anything where I have to pay attention to numbers that don't involve me. Okay. Like, it, like just regard something that I don't care about. Okay, okay. And then uh, this is the one that uh, can, can usually go uh, on forever and have a long answer or a really short answer. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Mm. Everything you ever imagined heaven to be is right behind me. 
All you have to do is be Ken Edwards to achieve it. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Welcome. I, I think that was I think that was uh beyond successful. I think it did well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Let, let me uh let me let's see. I'm trying to find something that I mean, we, I said we could do this like inside the actor studio like Pete Holmes, we can do whatever you like. I know okay. that you wanted to get introspective at the end before we do re- recommendations. <laughs> right. Um, okay. What we're gonna do? My the the version of what you just did for me that <coughs> I know. Okay. I, I listen to this podcast called Totally Lame, mm-hmm. and the, and they do this this uh, this game called Lame or Totally Rapid Fire. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read off the same list that they use. We're totally ripping off another podcast right now. Perfect. Um, and and all you get to respond with is is are the words totally or lame. Okay. If you if you want to elaborate, you don't get to. You just get to um, insinuate things by how you say the words totally or lame. Okay, so I can't say anything other than totally or, totally or R- lame. Right. Like you could go uh, lame. Uh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. All I'm, right. I'm on board. All right. So it's it's rapid fire. Rapid fire. All right. Here we go. Vegetarians. Lame. Babies. Totally. Honda. Totally. Dating professors. Eh, totally. Katy Perry. Mmm, lame. Bungee jumping. Uh, lame? Domino's pizza. Mmm, totally. Sometimes, totally. Sorry. (laughs) Nudists. Totally. Paris. Uh, totally. Camping. Mmm, totally. Bald vaginas. Totally. Reality TV. Lame. Sorry, lame. (laughs) Thunderstorms. Totally. Backpacking in Europe. Mm. Mm. Totally. Jean jackets. Totally. Cruises. Totally. Marijuana. Totally. Garden State the movie. Lame. Matt paint jobs on cars. <laughs> uh, lame. Flying in airplanes. Totally. PDA. Totally. Tongue piercings. Mm, totally. I didn't hear you. What? Totally. Okay. Haunted houses. <laughs> totally. Fame. <sighs> mm, totally. Cheerleaders. Totally. Smart cars. Mm, lame. Seafood. Totally. Jigsaw puzzles. Lame. Cats. Lame. And the death penalty. Eh, totally. There it is. <laughs> now you all know a little more about Greg. I got a little, I got a little or really conservative at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, man. Did you have fun? I had a lot of fun. This is great. I'm glad. We're going to do recommendations and call it a day, man. So how do you feel um, about uh, media? Is there something that you want to recommend? I know that we've talked about a couple things. You told me that you were kind of on the fence about what to recommend today, right? Yeah, I can. I, here, I'll recommend um, uh, one quick thing out of each medium. Okay. Um, podcasts. Go listen to You Made It Weird. 
Um, I co-sign. Yeah, yeah, with Pete Holmes. It's it's my favorite podcast. Um, TV shows, I just finished, well, within the past month, I've caught up with Orange is the New Black. Perfect. And, and it's just uh, amazing to see a show that well-written that isn't fueled by testosterone. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. And, and, gr- and a great diverse cast, too. Yeah, yeah, it's just just excellent, exce- uh, just breaking walls at every at every barrier. It's it's incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, movie, I enjoyed Snowpiercer a lot. Yes. There Everybody you go. should uh, go see that. Or I think it's on VOD now too. It is. Yeah, it's on. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, uh, uh, music, obviously, I have to have to have to plug. It's it's the week of this. You guys <laughs> are getting this in the middle of the big week of this thing. That at least that's when we're recording it. Yes. Weird Al, mandatory fun. It is. It is. If not one of his best, his best album yet. I'm still digesting it. I've heard it a lot, but I've heard all of his other stuff a lot too. But I, I love it. It is. Actually, but right now, it rates pretty high. Pretty high. I, I and 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 specifically, let me just say, Weird Al originals. I think Weird Al does great originals, and he doesn't get enough respect to, for them. And and we talk about that in my <coughs> podcast. And I wish everybody would go listen to me and yes. be my hero. Yes, go listen to. So let's get to the point because. Ken bring Ken brings his personality to it, people. It's not so much that that uh, he's just making a, a a dry, sterile show. Everything about that show is living and breathing Ken Edwards. Thank you. I, Man, I don't. It's a good promotion. Can I say that's a pretty good promotion? That was a pretty that, good promotion. That, it, it was. It was. <laughs> it was very good. You you made it sound like people should be invested with me, not just what I'm talking about. That's, and, <laughs> And that that's cool. Also, also, I'm uh, making a movie with my friends. Uh, we do this other podcast that's sort of on hiatus while we're trying to figure out what to do with Phase Two. But it's called Project Batman. If you were to listen, uh, okay, you can go to BatmanImmortal.com uh, to to check out all things Project Batman to see it's it's this movie we're we're making from scratch. We've already written the script. The script is online. You can read it if you want. Uh, we're looking for voice actors, animators. You can find how to get in contact with us there. It's it's uh, we're posting storyboards as we finish them at that site. But um, yeah, if you were to listen to our podcast from the beginning, the podcast is called Project Batman. But from episode one to episode fifty, you can hear us uh, uh, from the inception of an idea of a movie to fully. Uh, uh, Figuring out the story and and fleshing all of that out it's, and write, it, writing the full script. It's the it's transparency again. It's uh, it's Kevin Smith all over again. Seeing the the pre production to the to the product. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's good stuff. Um, and, and if and if you and if you don't want to listen to all of those, just listen to episode fifty. It's our table read and it has a score behind it. It's it's like you just listen to us read through the movie and the, the music is there to carry you through the emotion so you can imagine it. So episode, was, fi- episode 50 of Project Batman, episode 53 of So Let's Get to the Point is Weird Al. I might have to, I might have to listen to that because uh, honestly, I, I feel bad about this. I, I owe you a read of the script. You sent it to me and I never did read it, Ken. Oh, don't worry about it, Greg. I think, I think you'll really like it because I know you love the animated series. It's probably my favorite one of my favorite shows of all time absolutely me um, and and paul and aj talk about it every once in a while and we just have just our nerd boners out yeah 
I think you'd I think you'd really get a kick out of I'm, it. I'm gonna I'm gonna check it out. I promise that I will. Um, let me say for my recommendation, since you went all over the map with your media, I'll I'll try to do that as well. But I'm gonna probably be kind of uh, disappointing on on music because I don't have anything that I've been just, listening to. Just say mandatory fun, man. But, Perfect. <laughs> Fucking perfect. Um, if you want good, solid uh, rock music. No, that's not even the line from uh, from, from you talking you two to me. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> it's good, a good... Uh, rock and roll music. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you uh, definitely check out Mandatory Fun. Everything that I've heard from there, I haven't heard the whole album, but everything that I've heard from there is uh, really fun and funny. And, you know, Weird Al is always uh, someone to depend on. Like, he never turns out something that I'm like, well, that shit. I have I've never heard anything from Weird Al that was really like disappointing. Yeah. So and definitely dude, check that out, dude. The, the way the internet is really embracing him this time around is just like reaffirming all of my faith in life. Oh like, my god! Before this podcast, some fucking dude that I follow was on a, a a diatribe about how unfunny Weird Al is, and I unfollowed him. You're a good man. <laughs> I said fuck, <laughs> fuck this guy. This guy's opinion is so tacked to what he just said that I don't care what he thinks about a movie. He's a, he's a movie dude. I don't care what he thinks about another movie because of this opinion he has about Weird Al. He's that much of a douche. So, uh, that's my music thing. Book, I am reading... Let's see, what am I reading? I'm still in the middle of the fourth book of Game of Thrones. It's okay. What's a good one that I could recommend? That Nick Pizzolato, the guy who is the um, is the um, showrunner on uh, True Detective, he came out with a book, and it is slipping my mind right now. Oh man! But it's no. really good. Nick Pizzolato. Fuck! I'm gonna have to look it up. Hold on a second. I don't want to. I don't want to leave people just. I. It's on. T- yeah. It starts with a G. Nick. Yeah. Well, while you're figuring it out, I'll say, um, uh, along with you, I'm reading through uh, Sandman to appear on the, yes. the, the Gobbledygeek flashbacks. So yes. That's, that's going great. Sandman is fantastic. I haven't read past the, is it the fourth book or maybe it's the fifth book, but it is going great. And uh, it's actually one of the first times that I've delved into um, into his work, into Gaiman's work. So it's actually really impressing me. Um, Galveston was the name of the book that Nick Pizzolatto made. So uh, it's, it's actually a really good read if you're a fan of noir, if you're a fan of Pulp Fiction type books. It's damn good. Let's see, TV. I am watching Fargo, and it's blowing my fucking brain out. It's so, so fucking good. good. So good. So good. Um, such good acting, great writing, great plotting. And the movie that I want to recommend is Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. I just watched it again today. Hadn't seen it in uh, about a decade, probably. Um, it is Park Chan-wook, Chan-wook Park, however you want to say the director's name. Known for Old Boy, and it's part of his Vengeance trilogy that includes uh, Old Boy, uh, Lady Vengeance, and the first one that he made in the trilogy was Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. And damn, is it still biting, it's funny, it's tragic, 
It's uh, it's got all those elements that you know from Old Boy, but man, is it it just it handles uh, comedy and sudden tragedy and violence just in such a fascinating way. And it's it's hungry, you know, when you can tell a filmmaker is hungry to impress. Like it's the difference between watching uh, like Munich, uh, Steven Spielberg's Munich, versus watching Steven Spielberg's Duel. You know, a movie that he made when he was still really hungry. Or Jaws. You can tell that he's still really hungry to be clever and to be impressive and do things. Well, fucking Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, you can tell uh, that Chan Wook Park is certainly trying to to use all his tricks in his bag. You put all his influences on the screen. Great uh, story, great performances, just one of the best of the Korean new wave. Totally awesome. I, I've I've only seen uh, I haven't seen either of those Steven Spielberg movies or any of that guy's <laughs> movies. So I got a lot of catching up. <laughs> any of that guy's movies, I love it. <laughs> Ken, it's been wonderful. You know, I said to you, I was like, "Fucking Joseph is going to be on the podcast." And uh, I have no doubt that our podcast is going to be as good. And we didn't have anything on the books. Like, at least with with Joe, I had a blueprint in mind of what we were going to talk about. But this goes to show you how much you and I are on the same page. We came in here with nothing and fucking gold. Spun gold. I agree. And isn't it ironic how um, you have, like you were saying earlier, you have the show title debatable, you, you never debate anything. And I have, this show, I have this show title, so let's get to the point that implies everything is going to be so to the point. Yeah. And, but all we do is just extrapolate and just go on and we on are and on fucking, about everything. We are fucking liars. Yep. <laughs> this is false advertisement at its finest. Yep. And now our worlds collide. Yeah, perfectly. Cool, Ken. Thank you so much, dude. No problem, Greg. Uh, I will look forward to the next time you invite me on. Uh, it's going to be next week. You're going to be my new co-host. <laughs> I'm in, man. I mean, this is so easy. I'm there. <laughs> I'll, I'll take up a fourth podcast, sure. <laughs> okay, man. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wait a minute. Plugs. Plugs. Smoke gets in your ears. I've plugged everything else, but uh, I'm, I'm doing another show with AJ and Joe, and that is uh, the Mad Men Rewatch Podcast, Smoke Gets in Your Ears, which yes. you can follow on Twitter at Madman Podcast, and you can follow me on Twitter at the Ken Edwards, and uh, I am Ken with two N's. Yes, yes, we got it in at the end. Got the plugs in at the end. Good job. Well done. Okay, man. Have a good night, dude. You too, man. Thanks so much for this. See you later. <laughs> Thank you.
Okay, you get my drift. 